0: Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere so you too can have No Vacancies. No Vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I am super stoked to have on Olivia Tati. She is a designer and a short-term rental investor, but Olivia, welcome to the show. One of the things I'm super excited to talk with you about is just your nomadic lifestyle. I know that you're such an epic traveler, and I don't know how you're managing everything you are while being on the go, so I would love to dive into that. But if you could catch us up to speed on your, your backstory, how you ended up in this world, we'd love to hear all of that.
1: Amazing, girl. And also, I don't know how I'm managing. all <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, Olivia, please slow down.
0: <laughs> Where are you right now? Are you like so, in Europe?
1: No, so I'm in New Orleans right now. Okay. I'm actually heading to Denver tomorrow because I'm emceeing a short-term rental event. Oh, and cool. then I'm heading to Seattle for three weeks. So just, you know, you never know where I'm going to be. I did just All come back to stories... Europe, though, for okay. three
0: months. Okay, I'm like, was I hallucinating? Like, I swear you were in, like, Barcelona and Madrid.
1: Yeah, I Madrid. Do... <laughs> a little. I got back a little less than a month ago, but I was in Portugal and Italy for, like, three okay. months. Yeah.
0: Oh, amazing. <laughs> and then what were you doing there? Do you just, like, go from, like, are you doing hostels? Are you staying in Airbnbs? A like... mix
1: of both, depending on where I am. So I don't do, like... The hostels, like I used to do hostels, like I don't stay in dorms anymore. I just get my own private room (laughs) and generally stay at like the slightly bougier hostels because they also like just bringing a slightly older crowd as well, like in their late 20s, early 30s. So more kind of shifting with my age. But and then sometimes I'll do Airbnb. So like in Portugal, I stayed at an Airbnb because I was in Porto for like a month and a half. And I was like, okay, I want just a stable spot. So I kind of just fluctuate back and forth. And every once in a while, I'll go bougie in a hotel or something like that.
0: <laughs> uh, you you were in Porto. Did you go to Lisbon at all?
1: Yes, I went to Lisbon twice. I went all what over. Are your the thoughts place. on those? So it depends. A- I like, I've really enjoyed both of them. Lisbon's definitely like busier. There's more going on. Just like, it's where more of like the entrepreneurs are and stuff like that. Whereas Porto is so much more laid back. I think Porto is prettier. Like just especially with the river there and the bridges and the views. Like my view from my place there was unbelievable every single day. And I was like, ah, yes, <laughs> beautiful. But Porto, my qualm with Porto is that it definitely brought in a, like older crowd right like especially since i was there for a while i was kind of trying to find groups of people my age to hang out with maybe some entrepreneurs but it was more i felt like it was more retired people and which is totally fine everyone was so lovely and i met like people who were just like in their like later 30s and 40s which is great too i think just what i was looking for was a little bit more youth
0: <laughs> but and you really, were by yourself you were a solo yeah, traveler really yeah what was that oh and your dog <laughs> oh. yeah she um, me. <laughs> only reason I ask my husband and I it was like the summer of 2016 we did like a 30-day backpack trip between Spain and Portugal and stayed in hostels the whole time and I was so stoked for Lisbon like the whole trip I was like thought I was just gonna love that city and I felt so like neutral on it I like not a bad vibe no. I, I was overhyped in my head Loved Porto and Porto is like a last minute addition on our trip, but absolutely loved it. So I was just curious your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. If I had to live in Portugal, which I still haven't decided if I want to move to Portugal or probably Italy is like, like, that's where Wait, I'm like, you're, what, you're I'm moving. Too. You're so really like, I, move, though, right? I mean, like, cause I can't sit, I can't stay in one place. So I want like a place in Europe that I can go to and be there for like a month or two whenever I feel like it, but then it's a short term rental. So, okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You were, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were born in Europe?
1: Yes. Born in, in London. Born in okay. London. I don't think okay, I like hear your accent like. Totally British. Yeah. My brother is like Britain straight Britain. up British. I'm American and then my parents are African. So it's very confusing. <laughs> so, how old were you when you moved here? So I actually moved to Brazil when I was nine. And then I moved to the US when I was 13.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So you are right on the cusp of like losing the accent. Cause it pops yeah. through on certain words. Okay.
1: Well, and like, so my brother is two years older than me and he like sounds fully British with like a hint of American. And I sound fully American with a hint of British.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So it sounds like you've had a fascinating life. Can you just, you know, walk us through how, how you ended up as a short-term rental designer and interior designer and real estate investor?
1: Totally. So I used to be a chemical engineer (laughs) when when I tell everyone this, they're like, and it was so funny because even when I was an engineer and I told people I was an engineer, they were like, wait, what? <laughs> I guess I just don't like carry myself as an engineer. I think when I say interior designer now, people are like, "Ah, oh, yes, of course." Cool. But yeah, just like for the you know, audience,
0: since you guys can't see, she's wearing like a fluffy white beret. She's got dangly <laughs> blue earrings. She has like a powder blue sweater with like little boucle embroidered hearts on it. So yeah, <laughs> chemical, <laughs> chemical engineer did not fit you, girl.
1: No, no, it really. And it was so funny when I would show up to work, and I'm always in like bright colors. <laughs>
0: They're like, can you just go put on your lab coat, please? Right.
1: (laughs) And so the funny thing, it was, it was like oil and gas engineering. So I would go out onto the platforms, like oil and gas rigs, hang out there with folks. And I was like, kind of like the manager, like as the facilities engineer, I was like the manager of a bunch of. Basically, older dudes <laughs> who'd been working on these platforms for years and years and years. And then and here's this like little black American British girl <laughs> coming and telling them what to do. So, always funny. <laughs> but yeah, so I was a chemical engineer, like, literally got my bachelor's, got uh, my master's. And was just kind of like following the path, right? Like my parents really wanted me to be engineers. My dad was in the oil and gas industry before that. And I really just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Like I always loved travel, like I've been traveling forever. I've been to like over 50 countries. But I was, I did, I didn't never really understood how to like monetize that. Or I, I just didn't seem like feasible really at all. And then I started working. So I started working at Chevron oil and gas company, and it was my second year and I was still sitting on like $25,000 worth of credit card debt, even though so even though I got a master's in engineering and technology management, I just didn't really understand financial literacy was never told it never really understood it didn't know what getting out of credit card debt meant. So even like having a six-figure income, I was still like sitting on that credit card, and I was paying the minimum. I was like, "This, I should be done with this in a year." It's like, no, you actually gotta focus and pay it off. And it was during COVID, and all of the like Zoom happy hours were kind of over. We we're all done with it. I had broken up with my boyfriend and decided to do Whole 30, and was bored, so I got my real estate license because I was like, "Oh, this will be a great way to pay off my credit card debt, and maybe." Maybe I go into real estate and I'm not an engineer. Cause I already knew that I engineering just wasn't my calling. I was depressed going into work every day. My job was very demanding. I was on coal 24 seven, going out to the oil platforms and all of that stuff. But so started studying for my real estate license and Googled podcasts about real estate and, or about being a real estate agent or just real estate in general and found bigger pockets. And then I took off. I just, I was like, this is my way out. <laughs> and, yeah. Did you? And
0: I have to ask when you pursued a chemical engineering, were you like passionate about it or no, was it just never. like, this is a good paying career?
1: A hundred percent the latter. I was never okay. passionate about it. I literally have a picture of a sticky note of me at my internship in 2015. That's like everything that I can do other than be an engineer. <laughs> So it's like I always knew I wanted out or like at least some sort of a side hustle or something, but I just didn't know how.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. That like breaks my heart a little bit. (laughs) How do I do anything other than what I'm currently doing and what I've put so much student debt into and spent so many years of my life doing?
1: Totally. And the thing that kind of kept me going was the pay was still like really solid, right? and so I was like well, I the else golden else?
0: <laughs> handcuffs or something where you're just like stuck to that high paying job mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and I mean that's part of why I left when I did I was like I'm in such a good spot right now to go and figure things out right like I when I left my corporate job I didn't have a family I just had it was me and my dog I was already house hacking had a couple properties under my belt and I was like This is the time to do it. If if there's a time to do it, it's right now. So
0: (laughs) Okay. Here's what I have to ask you though, because you get into the bigger pockets world, you're binging all of that content and decide you want to go L in on real estate. I feel like a lot of real estate podcasts and stuff will tell you do not quit your high paying job because that's what you need to fund all of this and to get these investments under your belt. So like, were you in this catch 22 of like, I'm doing this to get out of this, but I can't leave now. Cause that's, what's going to fund this.
1: Yes. At first. Yeah. So like I had gotten my duplex. So this is my duplex that I'm sitting in right now. I gotten my first duplex, which was amazing. And the way I kind of structured it is I did not touch any of the money that came from the duplex. The duplex funded itself it funded, it like paid the mortgage, it paid me extra. And I went the short term rental route for my other unit, which was the best decision ever. And we can get into like why I chose short term rentals and stuff after that. But so went that route. And the duplex was basically just creating its own little nest egg for me, (laughs) which was phenomenal. But like, right, it was I think it was a month after I got my duplex and set everything up. We had returned to office for, for my job. And I was like, Oh my gosh, murder. Me. <laughs> because <laughs> my office was a 45 minute commute one way. And I had to be there by six 30. So I, and I'm a worker outer in the morning kind of person. So I would be waking up at three 45, run to the gym, take out my dog. Drive 40, like take out the trash, do whatever I had to do. Drive all the way to work, come back home by like five, five 30. If there wasn't traffic especially if it's the winter, it's dark at that point, run to take the dog out because the dog's been home for like 10 hours and then like sit on the couch and drink a bottle of wine because I was over it, you know? So it got to the point where my best friend, who's also now my business partner in like my interior design and some of my other real estate stuff, she was she told me one day she was like you're just complaining so much and it's really like bringing me down at this point and I'm like not a negative person at, at first and I remember at first I was like wow that's kind of rude and then I was like wait a minute that's so true like I am not this person I hate being ne- like I'm the, I like to be the person who brings joy and positivity to people I need to change this like I need to get out so at first I started looking for other jobs like and instead of like What I could have done is found another job in the oil and gas industry that would have made the most sense, right? But I just decided that I couldn't stay in the oil and gas industry. It just wasn't where I wanted to be. So I started looking at tech jobs, applied to a few tech jobs, didn't get them because I have zero tech background. Crazy how that works. (laughs) You're an engineer. No, it's very different. It's so Um, different. It's Because I'm an oil and gas engineer. And oil and gas is like the dinosaur of engineering, basically. Mm. So it's just, it's a a whole different thing. (laughs) And so after that, like I didn't get a few jobs. I remember I was like really depressed one day and had been out drinking with friends and had a panic attack, ran home, just like so depressed. And somehow I signed up for Tony and Sarah Robinson's short-term rental summit event their first one uh, like they were doing a giveaway so I had signed up for the giveaway literally have no recollection of signing up for Wait,
0: their giveaway. first one was that the one in Newport Beach yeah oh my god I was there I, I did not yeah I live like 20 minutes from there but I, I didn't know. meet you
1: there what the heck oh yeah I was there too no. I want tickets to their giveaway and so oh. it was like free tickets to go because at first I was like oh because I I think coming from the corporate W two like background, you don't really spend money on conferences or trainings or mm. events like for your own personal development. So I was like, I'm not going to spend that money to go on a conference. It seems like like I really wanted to go, but I couldn't justify it in my head. And so then I mm-hmm. won tickets. I'm like, well, now I'm going to go. So I literally <laughs> took vacation at work. I was supposed to go offshore the day the conference started. I was like, I'm I'll be back. I'll be right back. So went to this conference, saw what Tony and Sarah was, were doing and just like being surrounded by so many other people who like wanted to do the same thing and were gung-ho about it and entrepreneurs. I was like, I could do this. Like, I think I could do this. So three weeks later, put in my two or I gave them three weeks notice and I was off to the races. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. Okay. So you did have the duplex at that point and you did have some like income from the short-term rental in the second unit yes. and you were living in the... And that's line. what okay. gave
1: me the confidence because the duplex covered all of my expenses. Like it still covers Like it covers my mortgage. It covers my electricity. It covers my food. It covers my, you know, car payment, no, not car payment. Cause I don't have a car payment, but my insurance. Yes. <laughs> so that was, I was like, worst case scenario, even if I make $0 this next year, I can like live in my duplex and eat ramen for the next like five months and figure this out.
0: (laughs) I have to interrupt you. Where did the credit card debt come into play? Was this paid off by now?
1: Yes. So I, when I got my real estate license, that's kind of what fueled me paying off my credit card debt. So once I started like getting into bigger pockets, I was determined. So I just like put budgets in place and really doubled down on paying off all of my debt as quickly as I possible. So I paid it off. Within eight months, and then bolt my duplex like three or four months after that. Okay, got it.
0: Okay, so you put in the three weeks notice, and then did you like sit down and write out like a plan of what you're gonna do? Or <laughs> <did that>
1: <laughs> I mean, not quite. So on the flight back from Tony and Sarah's conference, I texted my friend, the one who told me that I was being really negative, <laughs> and was like, hey, so I think I want to start the short-term rental business. Do you want to join me? And she was like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And so that kind of, so. That's a good friend right there. Yeah. Oh, and she's, she's literally, I, some people say, don't go into business with your best friend. I mean, it's been the best for Mm -hmm. us. Like, and we just have a very transparent relationship and we talk literally all the time. So it's just like family, you know, chosen family. But
0: they also say don't do business with your family, but no, I I honestly so disagree with that advice.
1: I really, right, I, I think it Who... depends with your relationship with your yeah. family. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. There are certain friends and family I could not go into business with. But it's like, who better when you're doing this whole new venture than somebody that you would like trust on such a deep level? I totally disagree with that advice. I think the key is you guys need to like define your roles. If you're stepping on each other's toes, that's tough. But if you know one of you is like the more type A, one is the type B, one is the right brain, one is the left brain, I think it can work beautifully.
1: Totally. And that's what this year has been like learning experience for both of us was figuring out like, where do we, cause at first we're like rolling on top of each other and yeah. doing both trying to do everything. But now we definitely have like our, more like there are parts of the business that I don't even think about. Right. Because she handles it. There are other parts that i like that I do that she doesn't think about, which is really
0: great. That's perfect.
1: So, so literally like before I put in my two weeks notice, We got on, so we were determined, started analyzing properties, analyzed a bunch, put a few offers in. And the funny thing is, is we would like, I was still working my W2 job at this point, obviously. So I'm like out, out, out on the oil and gas platforms, like trying to send in offers. But like, the funny thing is, is when you're out there, like at least for the company that I was with, like they block, like I couldn't get on Google. Like I couldn't get on my Um, Gmail, all of that. So I would be like sending my business partner, my Login information to go in and like docu sign things for me. And we're like, I'm trying to have calls with people like out on the platforms. And that's when I was really like, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I need to go. I, if I'm gonna like put my time, energy, and effort into this, like I need to be focused on this. And I really wanted to be like, I because. I'm very much like, I like to get in there and learn everything. And then later on I'll hire for different things. But like, if I can get in there and learn as much as I possibly can, especially since I'm like still young and I want to yeah. learn and grow. So the only way to do that for me was to quit and, mm-hmm. or like, and or find another job too. And so I did actually find like a part-time project manager role that I did for a few months after that, just to kind of mm-hmm. transition me, like a remote one to transition me out of like having that W-2 income to like building my business right. So that was really helpful as well. But yeah, it just had to go full force.
0: <laughs> that's that's how I am too. Like the people, I mean, you know, that was my question for you is like, were you gonna quit your job and go all in or keep working that so you had money to invest? I am the same as you. I cannot, it just takes too much brain power for me to like do two separate things like that i'm the same way like when i was done with my job i was done with my job and i was like i will figure out something else like i can't i won't build the new thing if i know i have the safety net of the job that's just 100 percent
1: no and and you know like bigger pockets and all of that community does obviously tell you to keep your job and i i would say for a lot of people i think that makes the most sense right but if you're a little bit more of a risk taker, and some of us are, you know, and you just like have this undeniable belief in yourself, yeah, you will figure it out. And that's not to say, like, I wish you're I just got- the right amount of
0: Delulu, it'll work. Totally,
1: totally. Oh my gosh, I posted an Instagram about being Delulu the other day. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. isn't that one that audio that's like, and what gave you the confidence? Delusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, it. Oh, that's my entire strategy. Everything that's gotten me through life up to this point is just delusion and like stupid faith in myself. <laughs>
1: Truly. And just like not giving up, right? Mm-hmm. Like going and never stopping. <laughs> <laughs> so. What
0: market were you looking in? I know you live in New Orleans, or that's where your duplex is. Were mm-hmm. you looking in the same market?
1: Yeah, so New Orleans is going through a whole short... So I'm, I'm not even certain if I'll be able to keep my place as a short-term rental. Really?
0: Um, I would think year. at least a duplex would meet the cut because usually they're like very strict. They just want things owner-occupied, and you yeah, do so look... That's how that. it
1: used to be, but then they got sued, saying that it was unconstitutional, <sighs> that people had to have homestead exemption. and it was, It's a whole... Thing So right now it's kind of the wild west. I expect I'm I'm prepping for them to just not allow short term rentals ever again. But I luckily ran my numbers on my duplex as both a medium term rental and a long term rental and it still works. So I would say like, if you are going for a city, especially if you're in a city or something like that is run your numbers all the different ways, Mm because you don't want to be stuck in a bind.
0: (laughs) Great, great advice. So what markets were you looking in at the time? Yeah, so and we- this would have been, what, 2021, end of
1: 2021? No, we're, what year are we in right now? 23, 2022. <laughs> 23. <Okay. laughs> yeah, this would have been in 2022. We were looking at, so at first we were looking everywhere and then we honed in on Virginia, Shenandoah Valley market. Okay. So we got a couple of properties up there. So we've got two- up there and then i have my duplex as well
0: and why that market
1: so i had gotten an email there's this like one email list where they send out airbnbs in different markets and all of that and this one the returns just looked crazy good like, for the price because we were very much looking under 300k price point okay. just because you know getting started too, like and also we were like raising money from other people so we just wanted to let's keep the price point low risk is a little lower that way and we can you know we have a little bit more room wiggle room to do things with okay okay so landed on the Shenandoah Valley Market which has been a super solid and the reason we decided on it too is it's been A solid vacation rental market since pre-COVID. So we knew that even if the COVID rush was gone, people were gonna continuously be going there for the next like literally 50. Like people, the numbers there have been so stable for the last 50 years. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's like a multi-generational market of just people going every year and repeat customers. So Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. So you got the property there and then did you, I'm curious where like interior design tied in. Have you just always had that as a hobby and then you designed the listing and thought to make a business of it or like walk us through this?
1: Yeah. So funny thing is I tried to start an interior design business while I was working my W2, but it was one of those things where, yeah, but it was one of those things where I was like, I cannot do this. I don't have time. I'm so tired after work. Like I can't even So it was, I think I did one project and I was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so, so then it came back up when me and my business partner, we'd gone down to Virginia for a couple of months because we just wanted to get to know the area a little better network with other people in the area, network with the community and just kind of like see like what it was actually like to be there. Because I think that so people, a lot of people don't do this, but Especially when I'm giving recommendations to people about where to stay what we like like I like being like this is where we went, this is what we we had a great time make sure to talk to this person bloody blah, blah blah blah. I think that just kind of brings an extra like air of personality and just makes the guests feel like it's more of a homey like environment, you know yeah so. Anita and I, we were waiting to get under contract on our next property and it was just taking a little bit longer than we were expecting. So we were and we were staying at like a medium term rental there and it was decorated horribly, (laughs) so horribly. And so we were thinking to get and we were just thinking about other ways to bring in more income. Right. Like while we were waiting to get this next property. And decided that we were just going to start an interior design business. And we would first start with targeting some of the Shenandoah Valley market people since we're there and we can kind of like be there. And then it just just skyrocketed from there and kept going.
0: (laughs) Uh, So how did you, because interior design for me, I love interior design, but like I only want to design my own places. Like the thought of doing it for another client And having them like tell me they don't like something or telling me, yeah, go in this direction. And then I present it to them and they're like, oh, that's not what we thought. Like, how do you even like project manage this? Yeah. How do you price yourself? Like what what went into building that business?
1: Totally. I would say that's the hardest part about interior design, right? So we've gotten really picky about how we bring on as clients. Okay. Like, so if we think right off the get-go, it's not going to be a good fit and you're probably not going to actually like... Like our designs, we're going to say, Hey, I really think that this might, this other person might be a better fit for you for this project because that's just not really what we specialize in. So we always make our clients send us mood boards of what they're thinking and things like that mm-hmm. beforehand to see if this is something we want to take on or if it, we're just like, ah, it's not really quite our style, <laughs> you know? But we had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> so yeah. our first client, we had to redo everything it was like (laughs) did they pay for you to
0: redo it or like you came out of pocket No. so we
1: we came out with the first like set of mock-ups and he just didn't really like any of it so we went back and had to redo pretty much everything but it's so funny because ever since that point we've never had to redo anything like so it was it was a good one and we also severely undercharged for that first one <laughs> and offered way too much. So it was very much a learning experience. Yeah. We kind of needed to go through that to know how we want to model our business, right? right? So our prices went up after that. Also, the way we figured out pricing is we just kind of started looking to see we I talked to a lot of other designers too, like short-term rental designers to see how they price, and everyone's like most people are pretty transparent and want to help and I think it's all like collaborative. Sometimes people may think that, you know, well, oh, I got to outperform this other person. I'm so so much more of a let's share. Let's all do Mm -hmm. this together. Let's all Mm -hmm. win. There's so many people out there, so many clients out there for everyone. So
0: yeah. And especially if you know that you only want to work with people who want your kind of design specifically, then if you get a referral from someone else or get a lead from someone else, you can like easily pass them on. And it's like, you know, it's not competitive at all that way.
1: Exactly. And it's also for us too. So Anita and I, like Anita is my big business partner, but our core thing too, is if we're stressed about anything, or if we want to go travel and not take on a project, we won't. It's just that simple. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's a partner with you too, on the real estate portfolio, not just the business. So what is going on with that right now? So sorry, how many properties do you have in the Shenandoah Valley? Yeah. Two. Okay. And then anything past that? You've got the duplex, those two. Got
1: the duplex and those two. And then hoping to buy myself like a Colorado house hack slash short-term rental thing as Ooh. well. I like to split time between. I used to, so I went to Colorado School of Mines for grad schools and I spend so much time in Denver and in Colorado and the mountains and New Orleans has no mountains. <laughs> so I like to go up to the, go up there all the time. And I think that I'll probably start transitioning to living Half the not necessarily half the year, but at least three to four months a year there, a couple months here, and then the rest of the month's traveling.
0: Do you rent out the duplex, the half that you live in when you're you okay, I okay. do.
1: I'm getting it ready to rent out later today because I'm heading to Colorado and Seattle for the next three weeks. So,
0: How does that work? Like, what do you do with all your personal belongings?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I don't really care too much about a lot of my personal belongings. And if it's something, so all of my clothes or anything like jewelry, things that I actually care about, I lock it up in a closet. So those are, that's where anything I really do care about gets locked away. All of my sheets also get changed out with like rental sheets, so you know people aren't like sleeping in my sheet. They are sleeping in my bed, but I don't care. For me, it's like yeah. like, a, like a hotel. So many people have slept in that bed. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, I yeah, I
0: wouldn't care about that. It's like I just I don't know, like my closet, like my clothes and well, my, that's, my closet's locked up. Yeah, okay, so,
1: and that's what I always tell people. So you can either do a closet. You could lock up a whole room, right? Like let's say you have a yeah. three or four bedroom place, you know, or even a two bedroom place, just lock up one of the rooms and rent out the other room. Right. And I consider doing that, but decided that meh, I can get more if I rent out two bedrooms versus one. So
0: <laughs> has it forced you to like live more minimally or something? Oh or like-
1: my gosh. Every time I come home, I'm getting rid of stuff. <laughs> and it just reminded me like, I don't love clutter as is like, I don't like yeah. having a bunch of stuff. So it's forced me to be very cognizant about when I'm accumulating things. So even clothes now I do a lot of rent the runway because okay. I just don't want to buy clothes. Cause I get, I, I'm also, I don't know if you see me on Instagram, I'm always in something new because I love wearing new clothes and I, I have a very like vibrant outfit <laughs> every day, like wardrobe all the time. And so it, I think I get bored of clothes a lot quicker, too. Mm -hmm. And so using a service like Rent the Runway or some of those other rental services works really great for me.
0: All right, hosts, can we keep it real for a sec? Are you absolutely fed up with constant changes from third-party booking platforms switching up your listing ranking randomly? Well, I've got a secret weapon for boosting your bookings and increasing guest loyalty. Introducing StayFi, your ultimate tool for gathering guest information, guest marketing, and fostering brand loyalty. How does it work? Have you ever visited a coffee shop where you enter your email in order to get on the Wi-Fi? StayFi operates the exact same way. Every single guest, not just the one who made the booking, has to provide their information when connecting. So you can start building your email list to stay in touch with every guest you've ever hosted. Stafi provides you with advanced email and text marketing tools to communicate with that growing contact list. As you cultivate your thriving list of subscribers, one quick email or automated series can turn into dozens of bookings where you are not relying on your OTA's algorithm. Impressive, right? So use code NOVACANCY for an exclusive 50% off your first three months with StayFi. It's not just about attracting new guests. It's about transforming one-time visitors into lifelong customers. Don't wait any longer to start building that contact list and use code NOVACANCY today to kickstart your guest loyalty program with StayFi. To lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to stayfi.com novacancy no vacancy and watch your booking soar. So how often would you say, because I know you do travel a lot, like how often is your primary residence rented out?
1: Yeah. So for this last year, I was gone the entire time except for a month and a half. So you so... rented
0: this for 10 and a half months.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it will it will vary from <laughs> a medium term rental to a short term rental depending on the season. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Wow. Oh my God. Do you like, you don't get homesick at all?
1: I do. I do. I feel like when I came home this time around, it was nice to come home. Like I was gone for a bit and I was like, okay, this is nice to have my space. I'm going again, but then I I get angsty either way. So when I'm home for too long, I get angsty to leave.
0: Okay. Okay. Do you have the same cleaner for both sides of the duplex? Okay. So Mm -hmm. you just tell her, hey, this one's rented now. You got to do that one too? Yeah. And
1: she has access to all my calendars and all of that. And she's connected through Turno, so she knows when anything's happening.
0: When you are home, are you ever tempted to like go clean the other half never, never. No, no, never, no, okay. never, no,
1: the way that I set up my place from the beginning was so that I never had to touch the other side. And it's okay. so funny because even when I was, so the first year that I had my duplex, I was still working my W2 and I would miss my like duplex side because I spent so much time putting it together and it's so cute. And I was like, oh, I miss that place. It's so cute. <laughs> But like I never have to go in because I've got my cleaner, I've got my handyman yeah. and it's like if I go clean, it's taking away my cleaner's job and they're paying for that cleaning fee anyways and I'm cash flowing on the property anyways like there's no real reason for me to go in
0: there. And I I fully agree to all of that. I just I've seen so many hosts who like the moment that like they come back to something local to them. Like they're so tempted to swing back into like early days and just like how they started. And I I think it's really hard to switch back and forth between that. Like once you set it up as a business, you have to just walk away.
1: A hundred percent. And it's like every once in a while, I remember. The last time I was here, I just did a walk through myself on the property just because I wanted to check in. And there were a few things I was like, okay, that needs to be done. That needs to be done. But then I just told my handyman, gave him a punch list of everything that needs to be done. Um, And I think that's important too, is like to check up on your properties every once in a while, right? Because even if you do have a boots on the ground team, they're probably not going to care about your property as much as you do. And so there are little things here and there that will just go by the wayside.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you talk to us a bit about, you said that you eventually want to own something maybe in like Portugal or Italy or somewhere in Europe. Have you like researched international buying or anything? I I need to have a guest on the show who's done international investments. I know nothing about this world.
1: Oh my gosh, please do because there's so much more to it. So yeah. Because I was like, I was thinking of buying like potentially, I don't know, next year or the year after that. Now I'm thinking it's more of like a five-year goal than a two-year really? year goal. It's more just because there's, there's extra things you've got to put in place. Like you've got to get, you know, your tax number in place and you've got to open up a bank over there and you've got to, so it's more, I think it's like, if I had, if I, if I knew exactly where I wanted to go and had the time right now to go and spend three, four, five months there and just kind of like do things, I think I'd be more willing to jump in, but I'm not quite there yet. Like I'm heading in that direction. But Mm -hmm. what I noticed too, when I was in Portugal over the last few months is I get so distracted in Europe. (laughs) And so when it comes to business, it's better for me to be in the U.S. and focus. And then I can kind of go and like have my time and enjoy and then come back and do some work and then go in and enjoy. But I do kind of need to bring myself back and focus for
0: a bit. Do you you speak Portuguese? Yeah, I speak Portuguese
1: fluently. yeah.
0: Because you lived in Brazil for what, four Mm -hmm. years? Okay.
1: Yeah, and I've always just been obsessed with languages. So I speak Portuguese, French, Italian, and Spanish.
0: Do you know which country you would want to own in?
1: I think Italy. I think okay. Italy. I'm just so, every time I head to the Italy. one country so that cool.
0: you don't speak the language of. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> no. And so I actually, I took Italian in college. So oh I my understood God. pretty well. My speaking is subpar, but I can get by. <laughs> so my whole thing is, is, I don't know if I'm going to do it next year or the year after that, but I really want to spend a month or two just in Either Florence or Milan taking Italian classes every single day just to bring it back up. Cause I know like in a month, I would be solid.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. A month is quick to pick it up. Okay. So if it ended up being Italy, yeah. And then you would spend a few months there and then rent it and just have your properties all over your Colorado. Do you ever spend time in the Shenandoah Valley? properties or those are just purely investments
1: those are purely investments we considered going up there but then we started like we we like did a kind of uh not cost analysis but like a what is it, opportunity cost on going up there and it just doesn't make sense like we would, we would like we would make so much more money if we just, just rent right, out yeah. and like yeah. you know schedule downtime so We might go up there when there is a scheduled downtime for whatever needs to happen, if something needs to get changed out or something like that. But yeah, right now we just can't justify taking away the days.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay, another question. If New Orleans does ban short-term rentals, I feel like you're the second half that you don't live in, you could easily turn that into a long-term or a mid-term, but what would you do... And this portion, because if you're only gone for, like, three weeks to travel, could you not rent that half Yeah, so the thing
1: is – the nice thing is I I started collecting contact info for folks a while ago. So I do have, like, an email base of people who have stayed at my property and who – so I've literally, like, contacted them and been like, hey – if you want to, my place is open, or if you know of anyone else is coming to town, feel free to let me know. Happy to book it out for you guys. And they're like, I've literally had, I think like seven or eight people just from that who like wanted to come back and book it. So.
0: Okay. So if ever you can't like do Airbnb anymore, you've kind of got your way of booking people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, usually I will be gone for a longer period of time, like a month. Okay. Um, Worst case scenario, I may just intentionally book longer trips (laughs) so that I can rent it out for a month worst case scenario I'll spend a full
0: month in Italy instead of (laughs) worst case that's so funny um okay last thing I want to slightly touch on with you and I actually have a guest coming on who's going to break this down a ton but since you travel so much what are you doing as far as like Travel credit cards and things like that. I have a guest coming soon who's going to break down like all sorts of travel hacking, but I wanted to get your insight on this. Yeah. I Especially, mean, actually, honestly- I want your thought on this because if you had 25K in credit card debt, I feel like it's almost like, do you not use credit cards anymore? Like, is it? No, like... I do.
1: So the okay. funny thing, here's the funny thing: is the second I paid off all of my credit card debt, I got the credit card that I really, really wanted to get, which was the Chase Sapphire Reserve credit card. Because <laughs> after that, I was like, I'm oh, might- <laughs> over here
0: walking out of Alcoholics Anonymous and being like, perfect. Now I'm gonna get the cocktail I
1: really, really want. Oh man, <laughs> I know, but it was honestly like the, that's my favorite credit card. It is so good. I travel to Europe for free all the So time. which card is this? It's so a Chase Sapphire Reserve. So okay. they have three different tiers. They've got like the preferred and I think freedom or whatever. But the reserve is kind of their like top of the line card. But there's just so many good perks. You get $300 back in travel credit every year. Well, not travel credit, but like literally if you use it to buy an Uber or a flight, you just get that $300 automatically reimbursed. Then you also get like access to priority lounges and all different parts of the world Mm -hmm. you get TSA pre-check and global entry as well and then the points are just really good (laughs) okay (laughs) okay and I used it to stay at hotels and to stay at or for flights pretty much everything
0: is it hard for you to like use credit cards responsibly now or are you like no now I'm What was the nature of your debt? Was it just like pure consumer debt, or were you like paying bills on your credit cards?
1: No, it was pure. It was me being a silly like grad student. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, it's <yeah. laughs> It was just I because my income came down a little bit once I went from college to grad school because in college I had three different scholarships and was working full, like not full time. I was working during the year at like the language center at the front desk. And then I would also work my internships. But then when I went to grad school, I was tutoring on the side, but only had one scholarship. So my income came down and I realized I just hadn't figured out how to adjust Adjust, myself and my life to that. So it just kind of slowly kept creeping up. And then when I finished grad school, I took a three month trip to Asia and Europe and during that trip, I was like, "All bets are off." Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> and so I just kept re- and and it's because I had money. I knew I was going to have money coming in for my signing bonus, signing mm. bonus, and my like moving bonus. So I was like, "I'll be able to pay this off. This is fine."
0: <laughs> How long did it take you to pay the debt off officially?
1: So from the second, like. Summer of twenty nineteen was when I like hit that, that's the that's when I got to like the most amount of debt that I was in. A year later was twenty twenty one, and I hadn't really paid any of it off because I was just like paying a, the minimum and not really doing anything. But then after that, it took me eight months. So kind of oh, eight months to, like to be... buckle down and do mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those interest rates are crazy. Okay, but now you're a responsible credit card user.
1: <laughs> yes. Now I'm like, you pay that off every single month in full.
0: <laughs> just with <got> the perks.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Olivia, if people want to connect with you about your designs or to learn more about just how you started investing and hear more about your story or connect with you, where can they do that?
1: Yes, they can find me on Instagram at the Olivia Tati. So the is in T-H-E, Olivia Tati. And then I also have a YouTube channel, which is also at the Olivia Tati. And then if anyone's interested, I do have a course coming out about house hacking and just teaching cool. people how to... Travel like use real estate to travel the world and like pay for your finances and pay for your trips and stuff like that. So that's coming out here next week. So that's fun.
0: (laughs) And your design company is Yellow Door Design.
1: Yes, design company is Yellow Door Design. So on Instagram, that's at yellow door dot design.
0: Okay, we will link all of those in the show notes below. And then whenever you have your course come out, let me know, and we can update the show notes on this episode and include that so people can reference in the future.
1: Well, thank you. This was fabulous.
0: Thank you, (laughs) Olivia. We'll talk soon. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb hole, I decided to switch things up this week and go look on Reddit for some content. Usually I do all of the Facebook hosting groups, but it was getting a little stale. I feel like we've seen a lot of the same just hosts complaining about typical stuff guests do. And it's like a lot of newbies on there you guys know what I'm talking about. So I switched things up and for the next few episodes, we're going to pull from Reddit instead. And boy, oh boy, was that the right call to make because this, the stuff out there on Reddit is just a whole different league of the content that we've been putting out so far. So here we go. Okay, here's here's today's Am I the Airbnb hole. This thread was asking what is the weirdest thing you've ever had an Airbnb guest do? So here's the context for you. And this host said, I had a guest at one of my cabins in the mountains who got to the cabin and immediately started complaining because she saw an ant and a spider in the cabin in the woods. Even with monthly pest control, it happens especially after a big rain. After explaining this to her, she calmed down. During her first 15 hours, she had no less than five different men come by, all spaced out about an hour apart. Weird, but I'll get to that later. The next morning, she messages to say she can no longer stay there because she is so terrified that she has seen more ants in the cabin. Within minutes of getting her message, I look at the ring camera. She goes out into the driveway and is talking on her cell phone and abruptly pulls her sweatpants down and pisses and shits in the driveway while still talking on the phone. Then just pulls her pants back up like nothing happened, gets in the car and drives away. After that, I was like, okay, get this lady out. I agreed to refund her if she left immediately. Fast forward a few months and I find out that this area is apparently known for swingers and gangbang meetups, so I can only imagine that's what this stay was for. I guess she only needed one night. I need somebody else to come and react to this for me. I'm just, I'm speechless. I have nothing, I have nothing to say. I am speechless. I need somebody else to come react. Um, One of the comments on this thread said, sounds like you have a great market you can tap into. Sure. Um, Sure. How How do we advertise a listing like this? How do we optimize a listing for a market like that? Great remote location. No neighbors close by. Available for just one night stays. Driveway sloped at the optimal angle for shitting on your way out. And we're a guest favorite. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!